Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, broadcasting live every Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Central, from Panama City Beach, Florida, home of the world's most beautiful beaches. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining me on my weekly broadcast. Every week, I'll feature some of the best instructors, coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs in the golf business today. I begin with a great discussion on Coach's Corner, followed by an insightful interview with my special guest. So let's get started by introducing tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've got a great show for you tonight, uh, the 5th of November. Uh, it's hard to believe uh, we're already uh, well on our way towards the holidays. Before you know it, Thanksgiving will be here, and then we'll be celebrating Christmas. Um, it's just uh, literally a hop, skip, and a jump, and away. So, um, But I want to thank everybody for joining me, and uh, we're going to start things off here in just a moment with uh, another great discussion on the Coach's Corner panel. We've got a very interesting one for you tonight. And then a little bit later on the show, I'm going to be joined by uh, the developers of the V1 game app, uh, Dallas Webster and Ryan, I believe it's pronounced Eber. Um, they're going to be joining me on the second half of the show and uh, really, really excited to have them. It's a, a very interesting uh, app and uh, really want to, to get into some of the, the nuts and bolts, if you will, of, of what's involved in it. But um, let me remind everybody, of course, that the show is sponsored uh, by iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing top quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And, of course, Golf Tips is the game's most in-depth instruction magazine offering insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top PGA and LPGA teacher professionals, all designed to help improve your game from tee to green. So go today to golftipsmag.com and subscribe. And just a quick side note, uh, for those of you that are new to the program, uh, Golf Tips now offers a digital-only version if you're interested in doing it that way. You can get uh, either print, print and digital, or now you can get digital only. So just uh, go in and subscribe, but whichever way suits you best, and uh, I guarantee it, uh, you're going to see some great stuff in there, not only some great tips, uh, but also some uh, very interesting featured articles as well. And uh, actually, today was the deadline for the January-February issue, already working on 2021. So within a few uh, short weeks, that will be hitting out to the printers, and then a little bit longer, it will hit newsstands uh, before the end of this year. It always goes out a little bit ahead of time. So really excited about that. Um, and then the uh, most recent issue, which is the uh, special holiday, guide is going to be hitting newsstands uh, on uh, November the uh, 10th. So uh, I believe next Tuesday will be hitting the newsstands. So you can go to uh, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and wherever uh, most uh, magazines and books are sold. And uh, you can check them out there. It's going to be hitting out. and It's got a great gift guide in there, lots of goodies in there for those of you that uh, like to uh, uh, get that special golfer uh, maybe something uh, for the season, you'll find it in this year's holiday gift guide. So that'll be out newsstands November 10th. So uh, keep an eye out for it. All right, we've got uh, two great guests uh, joining me, and uh, I'm going to introduce them, and then I'm going to uh, set the, the groundwork for tonight's uh, discussion. Uh, first up, of course, is John Decker. He's a PJ instructor, uh, motivational speaker, and he's a senior editor and top 25 instructor with Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, he was the 2015 Southern Ohio Teacher of the Year, uh, prior uh, to that, he was a head instructor at the uh, Grand Cypress 
uh, Academy of Golf in Orlando, where he worked under top 100 instructors, uh, Fred Griffin and the late Phil Rogers. Uh, he's also the author of Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, which, of course, includes an accompanying Bible study. Um, also joining on the panel tonight is Bill Abrams. He's the owner-director of instruction uh, for Golf Solutions Academy at Balmoral Woods in Crate, Illinois. And uh, in the winter months, you'll find him down now at Park Ridge Golf Course in Lake Worth, Florida. Uh, he's been a mem- member of the PGA since 93. Uh, he's experienced as a high-energy, multi-award winning player's uh, coach and advisor. Uh, he's definitely results-based, holistic coaching that uh, produces lasting consistency and desired results. Uh, coaching the entire player while appreciating their personality and situation uh, is a hallmark. Uh, and he says, I quote, I teach people, not systems. I listen intently to your needs and goals, develop a game plan for success. Uh, and he was mentored by and a disciple of the legendary instructor, uh, Jimmy Ballard. So guys, welcome to Coach's Corner. Thank you, Ted. Thanks for having us, Ted. Really appreciate it. All right, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you, uh, as always. All right, so uh, as I was just mentioning to you guys off air, uh, I decided to select tonight's topic uh, based on a meeting you guys had recently uh, up in the Ohio area. Um, Bill, you headed up that way, and you were uh, talking about club fitting and, and doing some demonstrations and so forth. And uh, you guys actually met face-to-face there. So I thought, what better topic to bring to the air uh, than something that you both uh, recently had in common? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk a little bit about specific things. Bill, I've got some specific questions for you. Uh, and, John, I've got some other uh, questions for you. And, uh, and then what we're going to do is maybe just have sort of a general discussion uh, about club fitting and, and some of the other important issues as well. So, Bill, I'm going to start off with you uh, first. And there's some key areas, and one particular that I, I want to to do before I kind of get you to walk us through um, essentially what goes on in a club fitting and, and uh, the, sort of the first step, is there some areas that, that are key and, and really need to be addressed, and, and I want you to maybe explain in a little bit um, on some of these terms. So the first one is lie angle. Explain a little bit what lie angle means for some golfers out there that may not know what it is and why it's important that's something that uh, is is addressed in a club fitting session. Yeah, Ted, it's uh, it's something that's a little misunderstood at times, but uh, truly the simplest way to say it is the angle that the shaft comes out of the ground when the club is sold perfectly on the ground. It doesn't sound like a lot. That you could be a little variance here or there, uh, up or down, but on a solidly struck five iron. The variance is for every degree that you're off is about 10 and a half feet of accuracy. And we've all had those players, and even that come to us as coaches, that say, God, I hit that one absolutely perfect, and it went 50 feet to the left. They hit it dead center. So the angle on the irons is really, when it gets down to it, it's probably the most important piece of the puzzle. Yes, the length and the shaft is everything there, but the lie is very important because it can have an adverse effect on the way that the ball flies, a club that's too upright, so the toe would be up in the air, the heel catches first, closes the face, and makes the ball go to the left for a right-handed player. A club that's too flat, the toe catches first, opens the face, and makes the ball tend to go right for a uh, right-handed player. 
Right, and and, and again, it, it, I think it's important for for the folks listening to the show that they understand some of the terms that you know we're going to discuss here tonight. Because again, um, they don't understand the reasonings why you know they just you know hear well we need to get the clubs fitted, and they don't really understand what some of the the different terminology that we're going to use tonight really actually means and how it affects their uh, their club. So one of the things that that um, John, I want to come to you about is some of the benefits of club fitting. Um, and a couple of the benefits, obviously, is uh, being able to hit, and we'll, we'll deal with the irons here for just a second, but irons particularly, um, you know, the number one thing is people want to hit them straighter uh, and also want to have better distance control. So obviously being fit uh, with uh, or having a proper fitting uh, is crucial to be able to accomplish both of those. So maybe you can talk a little bit about why uh, club fitting, how it sort of helps those two areas. Well, Ted, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. And, Bill, I really look forward to being on tonight with you, and I really appreciate you uh, working with me when I was up, when you came up from um, getting to meet you when you came up for the PJ Magazine uh, National um, Convention we had for club fitting, and, and you did a great job presenting. So I'm really excited to be on with you tonight. Uh, I think for all the listeners out there, I would recommend, if you've never had a club fitting, is that you go have one with your local PGA golf professional um, because it's it's a great experience, first of all. Uh, you're going to uh, hit a lot of balls, and you're going to get to try out a lot of neat equipment. And, and if you can go to a fitter that has maybe some different, you know, the different brands so you can test, kind of test drive the difference between maybe a Titleist and a Ping or a TaylorMade or a Callaway, uh, I think that that's always fun. It's kind of almost like test driving new cars when you when you're going car shopping. But um, it's very important. There's a lot of things that you look at. You look at head design. You know, um, you, you look, are you a, a new player? Do you need player improvement to help get the ball in the air? Or are you more of an advanced player and maybe you don't need that? Uh, and then, the, obviously, the shaft and then the length of the club and the lie. Like Bill just mentioned, the lie is so important because not only does it affect the direction of your shot, but it also affects your setup. Uh, you know, and, it, you know, um, it can really, if you have clubs that are too flat or too upright for you, uh, then that's really going to affect you when you're setting up to the golf ball. So I think it's the, it's the experience of when you go through it, if you were to go in there and, and have all of those clubs and not have a fitter with you, you would wear yourself out. Because what, when I'm fitting, and I, I don't do nearly as many fittings as Bill does, but I do do fittings. And I, when I was at Grand Cypress, I did a lot of fittings. And whenever I see a student swing, after two or three shots, I can eliminate about 85% of the shafts that I'm going that would be possible to give them because I already have an idea and I can already in my mind narrow down, um, you know, is this a player improvement, new player? Is this someone that's a better player or really, you know, ex excellent player, like maybe a college golfer, mini tour player, something like that. But I think it's important that you be educated so that if you're going to go out and buy a set, because you're, you're spending a lot of money, and you want to make sure that you mm -hmm. buy a set that fits you, because I've had so many students have come to me, and before I, maybe the first lesson, and I look at their clubs, and they look kind of new, and they go, yeah, I just got some new clubs, and then I watch them hit their shots, and I don't have the, I mean, it's really, it's really a hard conversation to have when, when that club is not fit for them, and it's just not right for them, and and I've had that in my career a lot, and it's unfortunate. So if you're going to spend the money, um, you know, to get new clubs, it's worth it to get a fitting. And I recommend uh, – I think Bill mentioned this in the convention. He's uh, conference uh, last week. He mentioned that 
uh, his students get a fitting every every year. And I think that's great advice mm-hmm. because we all change. And uh, and also your equipment, you know, talking about the loft and the lies, um, if you play a lot of golf and hit a lot of balls, your loft and lies can change, especially if you if you have a, um, a really like a forged iron. And, and they can change just from the impact of hitting ball after ball after ball. So it's good to have your loft and lies and also your grips. Um, you know, having your grips uh, changed every year. These are all important things. Right. And the great thing is, is for the winter months, they're a great, great time of the year to have that done. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and, and Bill, the other thing too is, I, I know you touched on this as well, but um, the length of, uh, of, of the shaft in that is, is important as well. This is an area, another area that gets overlooked quite a bit. Um, you know, the length of your clubs is one of those variables that needs to be dialed in just right. Uh you know, it's important because if, if you're, especially if you're someone that's fighting poor posture, you know, I'm, I'm a tall person, I'm six foot four. And, uh, you know, if my, if my clubs are, are too short for me, uh, you know, then I'm kind of slouching and leaning over and I'm losing a lot of club head speed. Uh, conversely, if they're too long for maybe a shorter player, uh, you know, then you start getting is- issues of, of, you know, uh, you're not in a good swing plane and uh, you're making compensation. So talk about the length when, when you're dealing with that, how do you sort of decide what's the right length for uh, a specific golfer? How do you sort of measure that out? We use it. Um, it's pretty much a process of elimination, Ted. Um, one of the things that will happen as we go to the longest club that the player can control, one of the things that will ask right off the bat with a player is, do you, you tend to hit the ball a little more thin on the miss or a little more heavy? Then we'll take a peek at it. If they have a setup issue, we may adjust that. But the whole idea is to, to really to focus on the centeredness of hit with that length. Um, a longer club will, will tend to play more upright. A shorter club will tend to play a little flatter. So we have to take that into account as well. Um, when we can see the dispersion starts to work a little bit better for the player, then we can kind of dial that into the right length. And I always, I would always say I would prefer to see a player playing with something a little, maybe just a whisker too short as opposed to a whisker too long because the compensations that they'll make with a club that's too long, it'll swing weight and play heavier as well. So they'll have some issues where they're going to be making a lot of compensations. Where the shorter club sometimes, if it's a little bit, maybe a quarter of an inch short, the worst thing they're going to do is make a good swing and catch a thin shot. Uh, I guess is, again, we don't like to throw players in buckets, but that's just some generalization through my experience. Yeah, and, and, and again, it, it, there's a lot of variables, of course, and everybody, you know, it goes back to what we've talked about many times, John, is, is of course, everybody uh, is uniquely different. And there's other things as well that's part of the club fitting process is what equipment is right for you. You know, for instance, you know, we all want to drive, drive the ball longer and straighter and, and uh, we want to have the, you know, be, be swinging the right head of the, the club and have the right shaft in there. Um, so really what you want to do is you want to have something that sort of complements one another. You want to have the right club head for you, um, whatever that may be. And obviously there's some visual, uh, you know, cues that you may want as well. Some people have a preference. They like a certain uh, design or, or shape maybe, um, but, uh, you know, getting fitted with that right shaft, uh, is also equally important. So maybe you can touch on a little bit of that as well, especially for those that want to hit a little bit longer off the tee. Well, I think I have never had a student who tells me they hit it too long. Uh, they, they all want more <laughs> distance. And, um, so, so it's important 
um, that you get someone, you know, the first thing that you, I really look at when I'm doing a fitting for me is, you know, is, is I want to measure and get their, you know, club head speed and get an idea of their ball speed. Uh, you know, what is the ball coming off? Now, if they're some, I have a lot of people who have really fast swings, but they have really slow ball speeds because they don't hit it in the center of the face. And they're, they're more the student that I'm probably uh, in a lot of cases, you know, they need some instructional uh, help as well along that. And, and, you know, I'm much more of a teacher than I am a fitter. So I'm always trying to fit people to where I'm trying to get them to go. In other words, it's like when you buy a teenager's shoes, you don't, you kind of give them some room to grow. So I'm always looking at, Hey, can this, can I get this person to swing faster? The worst thing for me to do is to get them to swing faster and then the shaft be too weak. So I'm always going to try to get them to, you know, especially if they're younger uh, players, uh, try to get them to, you know, have, have room to grow in that, in that uh, direction. And then the, when you're looking at when you're looking at club head speed, um, you know it's very important that you get the right weight of the shaft, whether it's in an iron or a driver. And and to me, that is the most important thing. And when I went through my fitting, just to give you an idea, when I went through my fitting with Bill, and and he, I was kind of the the guinea pig, and it was cold, and and he let me warm up a little bit. And the first driver he gave me, I, I kind of waggled it a little bit, and I knew it didn't feel right to me. And, uh, but I knew that I, I can try to make it work and it didn't work for me. But then as he started asking me some questions and I know what he was doing as a fitter, he was doing that to give me the feel from one extreme as he got me into the mm. stiffer, heavier shafts, uh, that he had there, the heavier, I like a shaft that's really heavier. All of a sudden I could feel the improvement. So the weight of your shaft to me is, is where the feel comes in and, and, and it's very, very important. I, I like a heavier shaft. And so, you know, these are things that, that if you can get a heavy shaft and you can get a, someone to swing faster with that and, sti- and a stiffer shaft, then they're going to probably be able to maximize their distance. Right. Um, well said. And, and Bill, let me just sort of piggyback on, on what John's talking about here with the shaft, because I think there's some other things that, that I think need to be taken into consideration. For instance, um, obviously the weight is, is important and the length is important, uh, but also the stiffness is important. You know, we've got a lot of seniors, especially down in, in uh, you know, central and south Florida, um, you know, that, that, you know, maybe don't swing as, as, as uh, their speed is a little bit slower. Um, and they've been playing with, you know, a, maybe a, a stiff or even an extra stiff shaft for years, um, and it's just not working for them anymore. So when you're looking at at students that have got existing clubs and maybe they're just not hitting it well, those are some areas that you're going to take a look at as well. Maybe you could touch on that. Yeah, especially um, as John said, the first thing that I uh, that I look at when I'm fitting is is not the flex, it's the weight. I need to get that weight right because if the feel is is not what the player is accustomed to or what they like, I can guarantee you that the player is going to hit poor shots, even though we're maxing out on the uh, the launch monitor and the and the numbers. That being said, once we have that weight figured out, then we go to the flex. It's almost as though the shaft is a lever. Then we go to the weight, which is a little bit of a fine-tuning knob. Then we go to the flex, which is even a more fine-tuning knob that's going to allow us to get the proper trajectory and the spin on the ball so they can get their, their maximum distance and, uh, and a, a better dispersion. Because if we go, and I've actually had some older players where I've gone with a heavier shaft because they have such a quick load. In other words, their, their swing is a little shorter 
with a lot of quicker mm-hmm. motion. When I put them into a, an A-flex or a, a so-called cedar shaft, their dispersion gets horrible because of the way that they load the club with the quick transition. So we always go to that weight first, and then we kind of dial it down with the flex to make sure that we get everything uh, really into a fight, uh, into a fine-tooth comb fit to make sure that that ball is not going in a direction that they don't want. It's not going at a height that they don't want. But we can really get that so even when they miss it, it goes very straight. Right. And and just one more thing I just want to come back to you real quick, Bill, and then I'll move on to John again. Um, you know, one of the other things, too, that, that we, we've seen over the years now, and obviously technology has changed a lot, uh, but many women that got into the game quite often were playing uh, what traditionally would be referred to as men's shafts, uh, which were a little bit heavier and sometimes were even a little bit stiffer. But now with a lot of the advancements in technology and so forth, they're able to just maybe talk a little bit, uh, if you wouldn't mind, about the importance of making sure that particularly that they're fitted with the shaft that's going to be right for them. Because a lot of times they might grab a set of clubs and it might not be right for them. Uh, it might be a little too heavy or what have you. Maybe touch on that a little bit. And the same thing for juniors, uh, you know, juniors as well. That's a whole different kettle of fish, but maybe you can kind of wrap that up as well. Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting point, uh, Ted. It's it's something to me. I'm very gender neutral and agnostic when I talk about ladies or men's. I always work on uh, soft regulars, A shafts, and things of that. You know, terming the the shafts that way, because not everybody is the same. We have different physiques. We have different load characteristics in our swing. Um, but the ability now with all the companies that we get these shafts. And I use UST an awful lot. We have so many different weights and flexes that we can dial it in there very nicely for the player. And, you know, and I find that sometimes we automatically will say that a junior needs this shaft or that shaft. But we really have to go back, as John said, we have to do an assessment with the launch monitor, see what the ball speed is, see what the launch angle is, see what the spin rate is, and then the dispersion. Those are the four main key components to any fitting that we have to do. And when we look at those those four areas, then we can make a very good determination as to what the player needs. And I will agree with you. I have a lot of moderate swing speed players, females, uh, juniors, and even some gentlemen that we run into where they don't quite go into the norm and we have to make a little bit of an adjustment. Something as simple as soft stepping an iron shaft. That means by taking a, an eight iron shaft and putting it in the nine iron so there's a little more flex in it, then we can make mm-hmm. that, that adjustment. Again, that's that little knob that we do to to fine tune the fit. Yeah, and and you know, this is why uh and I know a lot of the stuff for, for the average person listening it kind of goes over uh your head a little bit, but Really, the, the the point of tonight's discussion is, and I was mentioning to the guys on off air, was that there are a lot of folks out there um, that have been in the game for a while, maybe are just getting into the game, that are not properly fitted. And, you know, buying clubs off the rack uh, is not always uh, the best solution. I understand, you know, for some of your newer golfers, you know, maybe don't want to make uh, an investment at this point, uh, or you're not ready to, and that's okay. But if you decide, if you've been playing for a little while and you decide, okay, this is the game for me, uh, we can't emphasize enough how important it is to get out and get properly fitted. And, and John, an area of the game that really people need to focus on and want to do well because it's a scoring game 
is is the short shots with their wedge and even their putter. Uh, those are clubs particularly, uh, certainly they all need to be fitted well, uh, but you definitely want to make sure you're playing the right uh, wedges uh, for you, not just with the, the lie and the loft, uh, but also you've got to factor in the bounce as well for the type of golfer that you are. There's different bounces. So there's a lot of different variables there. And then also we don't want to overlook the putter. Everybody thinks, well, I can just buy a putter off the shelf. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And <coughs> pardon me. And that may be true to some extent, but even that should be taken uh, a closer look at. So maybe you could touch on those two areas. Well, the wedges and the, the, the wedges and the putter um, are the clubs that you're going to be, you know, those, those clubs and also the driver are the clubs that you use most during a round of golf. So you want to make sure and have, have the, the wedges. And, and, you know, one of the things that's important, the biggest mistake that I see the average golfer make is they have way too many head covers in their bag. They have way too many long clubs and they don't have nearly enough short clubs the wedges um and because the manufacturers have made their clubs stronger and stronger and stronger through the years and the sand wedge has essentially been at 56 degrees there's a huge gap and so i see students who come to me and they when they get on the golf course they have huge gaps and not being able they don't have a club to hit certain shots it might be 70 yards or 80 yards or 100 yards because of the set makeup and, and, and maybe only having one or two wedges. I, I definitely recommend that you have a, a gap wedge and a, and a sand wedge and a lob wedge. And whether it, go, whether it goes uh, 52, 56, 60, or whether it goes 50, 54, 58, that's between you and, and, and the fitter to figure that, those uh, numbers out. But you need to have enough clubs. I never want to have a shot inside 100 yards where I don't have a club. Um, and it's important to bounce. The bounce is is the most uh, forgiving part of the wedge, and 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 it's the part I I see uh, a lot of students come to me with with wedges that don't have enough bounce, and and if you look on your um you know I like to see students with eight ten. 12 degrees of bounce. I like to see uh, as much bounce as possible for, for my students because it's, it gives you more forgiveness, especially in the bunkers um, and, and out of the rough. And, and I think that's very, very important. Now, obviously, where you play has a lot to do with that. If you're playing on really, you know, like down in Florida, really firm Bermuda fairways, uh, then, then you may have to adjust those numbers a little bit. But I feel, I feel like for the average golfer that they're better off to have uh, more bounce than not enough bounce uh, so that the leading edge is not sticking in the ground. And then you mentioned the putter. I mean, the putter, mm-hmm. you know, obviously this is the most uh, – of all the clubs out there, there's a lot of different putters that you're going to see. One of the things that you want to look for in a putter is you want to decide whether – you're going to go with a face balance putter or a toe weighted putter. And the style, that style is very important. And then the length and the lie of your putter is also important. Um, you know, the head design, I'm not as, to me, is not as big a deal. I think that's more of a personal preference. I don't really get caught mm-hmm. up in that. If someone likes the look of a mallet style, I'm not going to talk them out of that. But you need to know whether you have a face balance or a toe-weighted putter. And it's simple. You just lay the putter on your finger and let it balance so that it's perfectly, um, you know, so the club is laying and, and it's on your finger. And then if, if the face is pointing straight to the sky, it's a face balance putter. If the toe of the putter is pointing down toward the ground, sometimes like a Phil Mickelson who likes to use a heel shaft to putter a lot, his would point straight down to the ground. And then some will point uh, not directly to the ground but kind of, 
somewhere in between. I kind of personally like that myself. But there's a lot of teachers who believe in face balance butters, and I don't have a problem uh, with that. I, I, I like the toe weight. And then something to also consider is your putter grip. The, the trend now is to go with these larger putter grips. Um, I personally don't like that because I don't feel like I can release the putter. I like to feel a little more release. So I'm not into having the big jumbo grips. But again, uh, you know, there's a lot of KJ Choi. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, tour players out there that use them. These are all personal preferences, but it's worth consulting again with your PGA golf professional. Uh, so you don't want to have uh, something that's totally wrong for you. And I see people come in with putters that I like. Man, Phil Mickelson would have a hard time putting with this, and and you're you know a 17 handicapper. I think there's a lot. There's you know you can spend a hundred dollars and 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 buy yourself a putter that's really going to help you uh, be a lot more consistent if you go with more of a face balance style. So those are just some tips to look for, and hopefully you know the listeners out there will will uh, put some emphasis into their wedge getting wedge fittings and putter fittings as well. Yeah, great. Uh, some great points. I think it's important, you know, to to really focus on uh, a lot of the things that that the guys are talking about tonight. Because the truth of the matter is, as I mentioned before, you know, a lot of folks just go and they walk into the pro shop or they walk into maybe even one of the big box stores and they see a set of clubs on the rack and they think, okay, this is what's going to work. I like the look, and they just grab it and run and they get going. And um, a lot of times, you know, obviously there there's issues um, potentially with their golf swing in general. Uh, but a lot of times things can can be deceiving. Sometimes if the equipment's not properly fitted, uh, that can create you know problems on its own. So um, again, I can't emphasize enough. It's important to have that done, especially if you're somebody that wants to play. And it doesn't matter whether you're playing tournament golf or whether you're playing uh, you know two days a week, three days a week, or even once a week or once a month. Um, if you're playing with some sort of regular regularity, excuse me, uh, then you should you know get out there and and get properly fitted. Um, Bill, I want to come back to you and and. You know, here's a question, and I guess it really depends on, uh, you know, the type of club fitter you are. But, um, you know, many of the, uh, you know, the the manufacturers uh, sort of have a, a predefined golf club fitting chart, if you will, that they go by um, and have used for, for a number of years. Um, but some feel that now they're getting a much more accurate uh, golf club measurements through the use of launch monitors. Um, so let's talk about the club fitting chart versus the launch monitor. What are your thoughts for each, and are they still both relevant? Well, the best fits are always coming out of a dynamic fit, meaning you're hitting balls versus a static. Um, you know, because you can't just go by height. You have to go by wrist to ground to, to, to really start to get a, a start on it. The launch monitors are helping dramatically because it, it assists us in the, di- the dynamic um, fitting. We can understand the launch angle, the backspin on the golf ball, the, uh, the curve on the golf ball. We can measure the spin axis. We can measure the attack angle. Um, and, you know, it's a, a myriad of different, um, different specifications and, and flight characteristics that we can see to really help somebody get in to the proper thing. Um, doing something statically and – you know, it just doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense because, you know, going back to what we say, you know, Ted, you're six four, um, yeah. John, you're six four and I'm I'm over six five. If we have somebody that's five foot ten inches hitting with a set of clubs that we were trying to, they have no chance. And you know, I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest piece of the puzzle. Some of these fitting charts, um, 
yes, they're a bit antiquated, but we still have to see some flight, and especially with the iron, see some divot. And, uh, you know, with the drivers, definitely see some flight. Then we're able to give a, a better, a better, more solid fit, measuring in, getting the shaft correct, and, and all the components put together correctly. It's, you know, by, by changing one component doesn't necessarily make the flight that much better. It's a sum of the parts. If we take a grip and adjust that size so the player isn't squeezing as tight, now we change the weight slightly so it feels better in the shaft. Now we make a degree change in the, in the lie angle, um, the, adjust the swing weight a little bit. Now the sum of those parts, you see a huge difference. By just changing the lie angle alone, it won't. So I think the charts are, are pretty much, I want to say, antiquated, and we're never overly accurate to begin with because of so many different different variables. I use an example. The first time I went to ping, um, I'm, again, a little over 6'5". My wrist to ground is 39 and a quarter inches. So you'd think I have very short arms, but the funny thing is I'm always picking up the dinner bill, so I don't understand that. My, I really don't have alligator arms. <laughs> but uh, I was, when I was there, Kobe, the late Kobe Bryant was there the week before me, and he's about an inch and a quarter taller than me but his wrist to ground was 34 inches. So there was a five inch variable there. So he was playing with standard length clubs at six foot seven. I'm a little over six, five and I'm playing with an inch over. So I think the, the whole idea now that we use a launch monitor and we can really verify these, these, um, these numbers in the flight, the, the charts are pretty much, you know, again, it's a good start for people, but I really don't feel that, um, you know, it does you much justice. You have to get a dynamic fitting where you're, you know, you're getting some action with the golf ball and seeing where, how solid the ball is being struck. Yeah, and, and I think the technology certainly plays into that. Uh, as you said, the fitting charts, you know, they're certainly a, a guide, and I don't want to dismiss them, but uh, the monitor certainly, uh, you know, gives you some some feedback in that as well. But you're right. I mean, you know, the uh, you know golf professional needs to really see you hit the ball and, needs to see some of the, the reaction, how the ball's uh, reacting and so forth um, to really help, you know, guide you in that. And I think it's important to point out, too, that just, um, and I know many of them have, have basic understandings, but as John pointed out, you know, he doesn't do as much club fitting as, as obviously what you do uh, or have done. But um, there's a lot of golf professionals out there that have done some, but maybe don't do as much and others do more. But there's definitely um, somebody and a lot of folks out there that specialize uh, in club fitting, and I can guarantee you that uh, whether it's your local PGA or, or LPGA professional, that they know somebody, if they don't do as much of themselves, they've got somebody pretty much on speed dial that they can connect you with to, to help walk through that process. So uh, it's very, very important to do that. John, I want to come back to you, and and I know we've, we've talked a little bit about this, but there's been a lot of evolution of golf clubs. We've seen a lot of uh, transitioning over the last, you know, couple of decades in, in technology and things like that. Um, there's a choice in there as well. Obviously, visually, you know, we, we like what we see and we want to pick that. Um, but there are differently. There's a lot of game improvement clubs. There's the old tradition. And for some golfers, they might like to look at that, but it may not fit them um, for their particular game, certainly at this point. Um, so if you're if you're working with, you know, a student that needs to be fitted, what's some of the conversation that you might have with them in helping them to select what, what's going to work best for them? Well, the first thing that, that I try to 
try to do is I, I ask a lot of questions, you know, about how much they play. I, I, I'm like, a, as soon as they set their bag down, assuming they have clubs, um, I'm, I'm looking through their bag. I'm looking at what they have. Um, and, and um, you know, I have found that the average golfer cares less about what the club looks like and more about performance. You know, they don't care what it looks like if it helps them to hit it farther and, and higher and longer and all the straighter and all the things that, that we all want when we play the game. Now, the more refined player is more into, um, you know, head design and uh, offset versus non-offset. and things. You know, if somebody gave me an offset driver, there was no way uh, – I because my, my miss is left and there's no way I'm going to play with an offset driver. But, um, but for a slicer – you know, I'm. You know, you can tell if someone's a slicer. That's a way that that they can, you know, straighten their ball flight out. Um, you know, because of a, a, a head design. So it's more about you know asking the questions and in a conversation that's not, um, you know, that's basically like I'm I'm there to guide you because I assume that when someone comes to take a lesson from me or a fitting from me that they're seeking my guidance and they're going to trust what I say, just like I trust what my doctor says or an expert, if I, a lawyer or whoever you're going to, if you're asking questions that you don't know. So I think that, that, that I, I don't really ever get a lot of, of pullback on, on, uh, from questions. Now I will ask my students, is there a particular brand that you, you like to play? Are you a Titleist guy or Callaway or, or ping or, or tailor made. Uh, and then that'll kind of feed me in there. Some people will say, I don't care. Some people will say, I really want the Titleist or I really want the tailor made or I really want the ping. And then I, and then I'll kind of go in that direction. So I think that, you know, I think that the, there's a big misconception out there that, that the players today, cause you know, when we were coming up, we were playing with persimmon and persimmon. There was, I, I never saw two persimmon drivers that looked exactly alike. They were all a little bit different in some way. And so there was, you, you kind of had an eye for that. Nowadays, all the heads look the same pretty much. And, and you just want something that's going to improve your game. And, and so um, I, I, I feel like that if you find that, uh, then you go with it and you're happy and, and you just go from there. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and again, there, there's so much choice. Uh, it, it sometimes can be a little bit of an overload for uh, a lot of folks when they see all that. I mean, you know, we, we've all been down to the PJ Merchandising Show in, in Orlando uh, over the years. And, uh, you know, uh, we were there this past January. And it just seems there's, you know, more and more and more coming out each season. And uh, it can be even a little overwhelming uh, for us that are in the industry. So I can just imagine when the consumer is faced with that as well. Uh, you know, with so many choices. Um, Bill, I, I, what I wanted you to do at, at this point, as I, I mentioned at the top, and I know you've, you've, you've touched on some, some points long, but maybe in, in just some, some brief points, maybe you can talk about going through the process. So a, as a new student or somebody that comes into uh, where you're at and is interested in what's, what's the first step, what happens next, and, and typically how long is the process um, from start to finish and getting fit with your clubs? Well, um, Ted, that's a great question. Um, the first piece of the puzzle is the interview. I have to pick the player's brain a bit. I see what they're likes, what they're, they don't like, if they're working with somebody on their swing, what their ball flight is, what the miss that they have is, if they don't like the miss. 
Do they like their clubs? Don't they like their clubs? Have they been fit? What trajectory are you looking for? What is your end game with your game? Are you working to get better? I mean, we have to go, we go through a pretty lengthy interview process as John uh, noticed when we did it, I didn't go through quite as deep because I know he's a fairly good player, but um, you know, one of the things he said to me kind of funny, he goes, I just want to hit it straighter. I want a little cut and I don't want to, I don't want to hit it any further. And I just kind of shrugged him and how many yards did we pick up, John? A few. <laughs> Just a couple. Yeah, my so, my, my well, last drive yeah. went pretty well, so I was happy. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it was stretching three bells for an old guy. That's pretty good. So in the air. So that's, you know that's that's the first part of the process. I have to measure the individual um, because if if they're not if we're our end game isn't the same here with the fitting, it's going to be a a, a useless um, a useless endeavor. So I have to ask them what they're really looking for. Do you hit a lot of thin shots? Do you hit a lot of heavy shots? What's your, you know, what are your tendencies? And then I watch them warm up a little bit. And I kind of get an idea where the ball is going. And, you know, we may have to make a little adjustment and set up because they're approaching things wrong. But for the most part, then we get into the measurement. We'll, we'll do some static measurements. I'll get the height, the uh, wrist to ground. I get the hand measurements so we have an idea with the grip. And then we get on the uh, launch monitor, depending on what the, uh, what the category of clubs are. A full bag, I usually take about an hour and a half, and that includes the golf ball. Um, mm. But for a, uh, an individual category, it'll take, you know, well, John will, will tell you, we saw with the wedges and putter, we can do the whole thing in about 35 minutes with both of them and get a very effective fit with the players. Um, with a driver, depends on the player and their level, maybe a little bit more than a half hour. But, um, you know, irons will probably go on 30 minutes to 45 minutes. So, you know, it depends on if you know the player or not. When I know a player, it doesn't take quite as long. So, we'll ha And I know their tendencies. And I think that's the biggest thing. We have to find the tendencies. And then from that point, we'll see some players that will say, well, I'm not hitting you good enough to get fit. I want to see what their bad shots are because maybe we can fix them with a fit. And that's always something that I found when uh, coaches will say, well, no, you're going to have to come back when you're hitting it better. I want to see what their average is and what their bad is, because if I can get them on their bad, we can get that flying better. Now we're going to see a little bit more of what the likelihood is on the golf course, if that makes some sense to you. That's the process that I run through. And it's, you know, it's, it's very, it's very interactive. I always treat it, and I tell the players that come to me the first time, this is going to be an education process. You're going to learn more and why your clubs do what you do today and be much more comfortable with them than, than you ever have in your life. Yeah, and, and, and I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, for, for a lot of golfers, um, you know, they, again, as I mentioned earlier, their equipment a lot of times – uh, is responsible for a, a pretty good percentage of how they play the game. Um, as you pointed out early, um, you know, being being a tall player, but but you know, having a sort of a, a 39 inch from wrist to, to ground, and, and another player who's a little bit taller than you uh, has a shorter wrist to ground. Uh, you're not playing the same equipment, even though you're fairly close to the same height. Um, there's differences there, and it's important to isolate those differences. And it's also, you know. Uh, there's a lot of ways to get the right equipment to improve your game, game improvement equipment. Um, again, it's not always buying, uh, you know, what's hot right now that may not be suited for your game. And just to, one other thing, you know, Bill, maybe you quickly touch on, then I'll, I'll go over to John. And, and that is for, for the golfers that maybe have had 
equipment for a little while and and um you know they're they've gotten a little bit older um but maybe you don't want to invest in a brand new uh you know set of golf clubs what can we do with their existing set are there things that we can do with their existing set to make it a little bit better fitted for what their game is today You know, something that we can do, um, you know, simply changing the grips, changing a little length, a loft and line machine, maybe a little adjustment there. Um, you know, if a player's having a problem, the club feels too heavy, we may go to a heavier grip with them to take the swing weight and lighten the club up a little bit. Or if the club feels too light to somebody, we may go to a lighter grip and, and little things like that. There, like I said, there's all kinds of little knobs that we can make adjustments on. Um, I, I feel that one of the, the, the biggest keys is if the play, if the club doesn't feel good to the player, then we're going to have to make some type of adjustment. And, you know, I'm still old school. I still carry a, a roll of lead tape with me. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. there'll be times on the, uh, on the practice range where I'll be working with a player. Or I'll, I'll play with somebody, as John was mentioned, with a face-balanced putter, and they need something with, with heavy toe hang. And I'll just lap up that, that – tape if I don't have a putter, a fitting putter available to me right at the moment, put a bunch of tape on the top of the putter to see a difference. And I think that's the biggest piece of the puzzle. When we can get those little those little knobs turned to get that ball flying a little bit better, there's a there's there's numerous ways to go about doing it. Um, without buying the full new set of clubs. You know, we can make loft and lie adjustments, we can make length adjustments, uh, we can go ahead and change grip, and that's something that people don't think about. The weight of the grip has a direct effect on the swing weight. So with a lighter grip, the club will feel heavier. With a heavier grip, it will feel lighter. So we can just make little adjustments like that. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, there's, there's so many variables. I know we can't cover them all, uh, and, and obviously it's difficult when you don't have a, you know, a, a guinea pig. So we're going to go to uh, your guinea pig that you had last week, and, and uh, John, I'm going to come back to you. Uh, sort of for a final question, and that is, you know, through your experience working with Bill the other week, what were some of the things as you went through the process with him? And, and again, he, he didn't get as detailed with you because you are a better player and, and um, you know, have a good handle on, on things already. But what were some of the things that, that you learned through the process that, that has given you maybe a better understanding of not only the importance of club fitting, but even for yourself, for, um, for your own equipment? Well, the the thing that um, that I picked up the most was um, actually with the use of the launch monitor in the short game. That's something that I've never done, um, and I really saw the benefit of that um, because there's ways that you can start. You can use that, um, you know, because launch monitors. What I love about launch monitors, and I think the tour players, especially when you get when the wedges, is knowing how far your ball is carrying is so critical, and being able to refine that. Uh, because you you can put someone five yards off the green, uh, your average golfer, and you can give them ten balls, and I guarantee you their carry distances will be ten different distances. Uh, they'll hit one that maybe they hit thin and it skulls, and the ball carries two yards and rolls. They'll hit one where maybe they hit it fat, and they'll hit one where they fly it way too far on the green. They'll hit one they barely fly to the green. They'll hit some that they're hit, hit short. So they're they're not refined in their contact, and so they don't, they're not aware of that. And I just, when I saw that, I said, you know, I've never really done that. I really, that to me was very impactful. And he also used a lie board in measuring the bounce um, or, uh, for, for a better player. And, again, we were, 
you know, it, it would have, because of the COVID restrictions, normally uh, in a fitting se- seminar like that, you would bring in average golfers, but we couldn't, obviously, the liability issues and everything. So um, so we were kind of, you, you know, the guinea pigs, the, the participants there, and they were all PGA professionals. So, so those are things that I got from it. And actually going through the fitting, I mean, I've been fit before and everything, and I thought it was excellent. Um, and, and it was nice to see that, that I can still fly it out there when it, with the right fit. I don't play a lot of golf anymore. And I, you know, so I really enjoyed it. And, um, it would have, um, it, it would have been nice if it had been a little warmer and I could have really warmed up before beforehand and been in golf shoes. But other than that, it was a great experience. Well, and, and again, I think, you know, it, it, it's good to, you know, um, Bill, as you were mentioning too, you know, every year, uh, you know, this is something that, um, you know, you like to fit people every year because things change and people change and, and so forth. What, you know, doing so many of these over the years and, and working with that, what are some things that you've learned um, about uh, club fitting that um, is obviously you're going to pay it forward when you're working with your students, but what are some things as you become more experienced that you've learned uh, about the process? Well, one of the biggest things, and I emphasize this, as John will mention too, uh, don't throw players in buckets. Because what will happen is automatically we'll get somebody that's a scratch player, a professional, come in and do a fitting with us, and you automatically think that they need player players clubs blades and things like that and that's not always necessarily the case they may need some they may like something that has a little bit more of a game enhancement uh uh characteristic to it i think that's the biggest thing we have to go in there with a wide open mind an open slate to allow players to perform their best to be able to hit the shots with the confidence that they they need to um and i think the other thing is Letting players that are newer players know that the fit is very, very important. The three of us could take somebody that's five foot ten inches tall, take their clubs, and go out and shoot probably very near even par with with a, a set that doesn't fit us. But if I take that same player that's an eight to a to a eighteen handicap, and I put something ill fit and give them maybe one of our sets to go out and play with, they'll they'll have a hard time breaking a hundred if they don't fall into that category. So I think it's one of the keys to your, to playing your best um, that gets overlooked a lot of times. And, and I think one of the things that I've, I've developed a, um, uh, you know, a little bit of a uh, be true to yourself or a, a value, a core value and a core belief is if I see a player come in, that's very ill fit. I have to mention that to them right off the bat. And I always have a fitting club to show them the difference when I see that, I'll see somebody that comes in a significant other with a set of clubs that are an inch over with X100 dynamic gold, very heavy 130 gram shafts that doesn't have the, the club head speed or the strength to hit that. Vice versa, I'll see somebody with a triangle that's way too flat or a shaft that's way too flexible and the ball is going all over the place. So I feel that's incumbent upon me, you know, partnering with that player that I have to let them know that it doesn't work. You know, it would be very similar to a mechanic. Your brakes aren't working very good, Mr. Orderico. You know, a mechanic yeah. would say, oh, no, there's, no, there's no problem there. And I think that's the, that's the seriousness we have to take with it because these people are giving their, you know, their, their fun with the game and their recreational time with us. And if they want to have the best of it, they may be okay with it, not having, 
you know, something that fits right. But you have to, you, you can't broach the subject. You have to take it head on and you'll be surprised. You know, some people, you know, as professionals might be a little bit hesitant to do that, but you'll be surprised the relationship you make with players when you're that honest with them. Well, and, and there's nothing worse, you know, guys, that I think when, you, when you're not playing with it, it's like any job. I mean, you know, you have certain tools of the trade, so to speak. And, you know, as, as a golfer, you know, you have your equipment. That's what you use when you're out in the golf course. And if the equipment isn't right, whether it be too short, too heavy, or, or not the right angles, um, you know, you're not going to perform your best. So, it, you know, it's kind of like if you, you know, need a power drill, but all you got is a screwdriver in your hand, and it's going to take you a long time to perform certain tasks. So, you know, again, we can't emphasize enough the importance of, of wanting to get out there and, and making sure you're fit. And, and, you know, the really good thing is it really doesn't cost as much to get fitted as what a lot of people think. You know, if you're buying uh, a set of clubs, uh, you know, you, again, depending on what your, your, your abilities are in that, you don't necessarily have to go out and spend two or $3,000 on a set of clubs. You can get something um, that's considerably less within your budget, but if they're fitted properly, um, you're going to save yourself a lot of money in the long run. I mean, there's nothing worse than going out and buying the latest and greatest equipment out there, um, but not get properly fitted. And now you spend a couple of grand or more on it, and you're not able to play any better. Um, whereas maybe you know something that was a little bit less, um, but was fitted properly, you're going to get much more enjoyment and fun out of it. So I think there's some great points that you guys touched on, and I know that we can't, you know, show a lot of the the intricacies here on air. But I think you guys did a great job in, in hitting some of the points and explaining, obviously, some of the benefits of, of being uh, properly fitted with, with clubs. So you guys did a great job tonight. I appreciate that. Um, any final thoughts from, from either one of you? Yeah, I, I was going to mention, um, Ted, when, when I was playing competitively down in Florida, um, and this is something that's very important for, for the listeners out there, um, I was in a mini tour event and I had a, a gap wedge that I could hit, max out at 105 yards. That was the distance I would max it out at. And, um, and I hit, I, I hit a shot and the ball uh, it, it went over the green. It flew over the green and I couldn't believe it. I was like, what is going on here? I never hit the ball that far. And so a couple holes later, I had the same yardage and did the same thing. And so I, I said, something's wrong. And so I went the, the, the after the tournament and ended up making bogeys because I was just dead where I hit it. I went and uh, got on the loft and lie machine, and I'd hit so many balls that my, my wedge had actually gotten stronger, and uh, the loft of it had gotten stronger. And so I think it's important that you check your loft and lies and your grips, uh, but especially your loft and lies, uh, they can – and you need to make sure that just because it says it's a 56 doesn't mean it is 56 uh, degrees. And so I learned that the lesson the hard way. I'll never forget that, um, you know, that, that feeling because when you hit a really good shot and the ball doesn't go the right distance that you were equating for and, and you know that you did everything right, that's very frustrating. So that's, uh, that was a hard lesson to learn. Yeah, and that's a, that's a, a great, uh, great point to bring up because a lot of times – you know, if, especially if you're a better player and you get out there and you're hitting and you normally, you know, know the, whatever the yardage may be for that specific club. And it's, you know, it's just not, uh, you know, hitting it and, and uh, where you need it to be. Um, you know, it, it might not be you, it, it might be the equipment. So that's why I think it's good as, as you guys both pointed, both pointed out to, uh, to have your stuff looked at, especially if you're playing a lot of golf, 
uh, every season uh, because uh, things can change, and um, it's always good to do that. Well, guys, I want to thank you for doing a great job on, on tonight's discussion, and uh, I thought it would be interesting, as I mentioned at the top, um, since you guys had uh, had uh, some time together there the other week and, and uh, we're talking about this very topic, so I thought we would share some of the, the finer points uh, with the listeners tonight. Um, before we go, as always, I'd like to give you guys a, an opportunity if you want to um, let the listeners know the best way to reach out. Um, John, I'll go with you, and then uh, Bill. Well, Ted, once again, thank you for having me on the show. And, Bill, as always, again, thank you for the, the fitting. And also wanted to wish you a happy belated birthday. I know you had a birthday. I think it was last week or so. But um, I, it, the, for the listeners out there, um, I would encourage you all to, to get Golf Tips Magazine. I have the uh, feature in there called Fairways to Heaven, and I've been really excited doing that. And, Ted, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, to write that the article. So I hope the Listeners out there will subscribe to the magazine. If you want to follow me uh, personally, you can follow me under John Decker Golf Instruction, and I spell my first name J-O-N, so John Decker Golf Instruction. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. I have several hundred videos on YouTube as well. Uh, my book, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, is um, sold on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Walmart.com websites. And uh, I also have a Bible study that is with that uh, book, and I'm uh, available for public speaking engagements. And I realize right now with COVID that those are probably not very popular. But uh, if you're looking for someone in the future, whether it's uh, junior clinics or uh, doing any kind of speaking engagements around golf um, and, or faith uh, sides at churches or anything, uh, feel free to reach out. I'd love to do it. Sounds great. And uh just a, a, a quick note as well. Uh, Bill is going to be in uh, with a great tip in an upcoming issue, the January-February issue, actually, of Golf Tips Magazine. So he's going to be uh, jumping in and sharing some of his experience uh, with uh, Golf Tips Magazine. I'm really excited to, to have that in. And actually, it just went to the uh, designer and copy editor today. So hopefully in the next few weeks, it'll hit the print. And uh, before you know it, it'll be out in newsstands as well. So uh, Bill, go ahead and, and uh, share with the folks uh, the best way that they can get in touch with you. Yeah, the easiest way to get me is on my website at billabramsgolf.com. It's A-B-R-A-M-S, just like the tank. I also have an app available that you can find either on the Android or on the iTunes store at Golf Solutions Academy. It's a free download, and there's opportunity there to uh, submit video lessons. Um, we have that opportunity as well. So uh, those are the two best ways to get in touch with me. All my contact information is on the website as well as it is on the app. Thanks again, Ted. Uh, I appreciate it. Guys, as always, thank you for bringing your best tonight on the Coach's Corner panel. It's always a pleasure, and I look forward to the next time. We've only got a few more uh, sessions. I think you'll both be back on uh, before year's end uh, as we uh, get ready to close out, at least in certain parts of the country, get to close out uh, some of the season. And for others uh, in the sunny south down here, uh, come on down. There's some great golf in, in Florida and other parts in the southern parts of the United States. But uh, thanks, guys, very much uh, for doing a great job tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you. Thank, thanks again, Ted. And- All right. That was uh, both uh, John Decker and Bill Abrams, part of the um, Coach's Corner panel tonight, and very, very excited to uh, – you know, we really talk about a lot of different topics on on the panel discussions, and they've uh, really done a great job. I appreciate uh, you know 
these two guys and, and many of the others that come on the panels uh, throughout the months. And we're getting ready. As I said, we've got a few more. We've got a couple more shows this month. Uh, obviously, we'll be breaking for Thanksgiving. And then we've got, uh, I believe, two or three shows in December. And then we'll be taking an extended break through the holidays and actually the uh, month of, of January uh, the the shows uh, will not be airing uh, just to get ready for next season. We're getting guests lined up for next season and uh, just uh, a lot of different things. And, and some of you probably have been following the show noticed that some recent uh, uh, changes with the, with the programming as well, not so much with the programming, but with the look of the, uh, the, the uh, shows and um, uh, had some really good feedback on it so far. So I really appreciate all of the kind words. All right, I've got two uh, great gentlemen joining me now, uh, Dallas Webster and Ryan, I believe it's uh, Abair. Uh, I'll get that corrected when he comes on air. Uh, they're both developers of the V1 game app. Uh, tell you a little bit about each of them, and then I'll bring them on. Uh, Dallas is uh, an avid golfer, and uh, as many, became very frustrated a few years ago uh, with uh, inefficient practice and, and uh, what he classified as stalled improvement. Uh, he, uh, of course, had a growing family, and, and uh, time became less available to spend on the golf course uh, to reach some of his golf goals. So after uh, reading Every Shot Counts by Mark uh, Brody, he began uh, uh, tracking advanced golf stats in uh, an Excel spreadsheet and uh, started crunching the numbers, if you will, and, and getting insights into the game uh, that uh, accelerated his progress. Uh, he uh, had a, as a good friend, uh, Ryan, who uh, was just taking up the game and also working hard to improve. And after a long phone call and uh, much brainstorming, they partnered up to uh, turn a clumsy scorecard input and Excel spreadsheet uh, into a nap for the amateurs that became uh, pocket par. Uh, Ryan was uh, able to carve out an eight handicap, including winning several tournaments uh, on the Golf Channel uh, Amateur. And after three years of improving uh, pocket par as a side gig, uh, they partnered with V1 Sports to create, which is now uh, V1 Games. So, uh, let me welcome both Dallas and Ryan to the show. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. Hey, Ted. Thanks for having us. Yeah, definitely. Not a pro- I appreciate it. Ryan, let me just ask you, and I apologize if I said it correctly, how is your last name pronounced? So you got it right, Hebert. That's, that's the uh, Hebert, Louisiana. Okay. Uh, you got a little Cajun in you. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've learned a little bit since I've been down here. All right, so uh, thank you guys, uh, by the way, for both uh, uh, coming on tonight. I appreciate it. And uh, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about something that uh, you guys, uh, I know, have become very passionate about. And uh, But I, what I want to do first, and, and I'm going to do it in the order that I, that I uh, uh, introduced you. So, Dallas, I'm going to start with you. Let's talk about some of the game's frustrations, because you guys both have, have – experience like many many other golfers even really good golfers out there you know we all get frustrated with with different parts so what were some of the frustrates uh, frustration excuse me dallas that you experienced earlier on when you were working in your game and then ryan i want you to jump in as well yeah so i picked up the game when i was around 16 years old and uh in high school i started playing a lot i made the high school team I was a little bit of a late bloomer so i was wasn't near good enough to play in college but i started really improving my golf game um, throughout college found as I got a day job and started growing up, I had less time to spend on my game. And I really kind of stagnated right there between the two handicap and, and a scratching. I'd have my good days, but my bad days were the worst than I wanted them to be. They were inconsistent. Hmm. And uh, that's around the time, like you said, I read that Mark Brody's uh, book and it really opened my eyes to how say Tiger Woods dominated the tour. And what occurred to me 
was a lot of times when I'd leave the golf course at the end of the day, I'd be thinking about the last four foot putt I missed or, or different parts of my game that I'd be blaming for the day and the score that I had when the reality was it was actually a different part of my game that was leading to that frustration. My irons just weren't good enough and I'm blaming my putter, mm-hmm. but I left myself 40 feet all day. And so when that realization kind of occurred to me, uh, I had to fix that, right? I had to go get a better feedback loop, let's say, to mm-hmm. get my frustration more aligned with the right part of my game that was causing me trouble. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that in just a second, but before we do, um, Ryan, what about you? You you had some struggles as well. You took it up a little bit later as well, and uh, you went out there and, and obviously had some success, but uh, you also, I'm sure, as many golfers, had a little bit of failure too out there. Uh, and, and as we all do, you get frustrated when you're not playing at your best or you're not consistent, as Dallas mentioned. So what were some of the frustrations that you experienced? Yeah, for me, it was honestly, uh, so, you know, I did, I picked it up later in life after college. So Dallas and I met at, at Texas Tech, uh, go Red Raiders. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I took it up after uh, a little later in life, obviously, and whatnot. And, and I, I come from a semi-athletic background, I think. And, uh, so the thing for me was I, I was on the range all the time, just pounding away, right. I, I probably my seven irons, the, the most worn club in my bag. Um, and, and I really didn't know, you know, I go on course and, you know, I miss a fairway and I right or left and, and, and hit my irons and, I really had no rhyme or reason. I was looking at traditional stats going, okay, how, what do I make of this? Right. And so at some point, uh, you know, as you alluded to earlier, Dallas was, uh, uh, starting to track strokes games on, on spreadsheets and things like that. And, and so it was helpful in the sense to start to understand, uh, where I could be more efficient in my, in my practice and in my, in my golf game, but absolutely just not really knowing where to go in practice and just sitting on a range, banging away at the club you think is the right one you need to practice for whatever reason. Uh, you know, that that's where it got to be frustrating because it didn't it didn't necessarily translate. At some point it stopped translating on the course. And so I think getting in that space to to really focus in and find out what actually is affecting my game, uh, that's where things started to change a little bit. And so yeah, the, you know, I was able to join the Antour and was able to carve out some wins and some Houston area wins and and, uh, but yeah, it's getting that efficient practice. Uh, when you're just banging away, sometimes it's, you think you, maybe you're making the right progress, but you may actually really not. Right. Yeah. And, and so you both came to the realization, um, you know, that you, you just were not improving to what you felt you would, you know, you guys obviously both play a pretty good game, but you know, you, you felt you could do better. So Dallas, you decided, okay, I'm going to start tracking my stats. You know, as you mentioned, after reading, uh, Mark Brody's, uh, uh, every shot counts. Uh, what specifically were you tracking and why? Yeah, so, you know, Mark Brody has his strokes gained algorithm where basically you're tracking how many shots it's going to get you to get in from a, from a given distance. And then you can compare yourself to a reference like a PGA Tour player or otherwise. And in this book, he really talks about uh, how Tiger Woods dominated the tour with irons and how important mm-hmm. irons were. And I remember at that time in my golf life, I wasn't that focused on irons. I was trying to hit drives and, and felt like I needed to, uh, to make putts. So that's where I was able to kind of connect the dots for myself um, to turn that into a more efficient practice so that I could go work on the right things. Yeah, and, and I think that's something that we all, uh, you know, a, a lot of golfers out there, especially some of our higher handicap golfers, could, could take a lesson here because, um, 
you know, they don't really keep track of anything. Uh, they go out there and, and Ryan, as you pointed out earlier, they have, um, you know, maybe you have a bad putt or two and that's what they dwell on, but they don't realize that maybe it's an actual different area of their game um, that needs improvement. And maybe, you know, if they were keeping stats and, and keeping sort of record, if you will, they'd have a better understanding. So, um, Ryan, along yes, came uh, an opportunity. You guys had a, had a conversation. Um, talk about what was the conversation that you guys had um, that sort of set everything in motion. Well, it was uh, – I remember it pretty, pretty vividly. Uh, I was walking outside, and it was, it was later at night, and I was taking a walk, and Dallas and I were on the phone, and, you know, he uh, he was swearing by the spreadsheets, and, and I just – I was frustrated. Like, I, I, I knew that there was value in it. Um, but it just felt like it was too hard, you know? So I, I know that, I know that it's worth doing it if you're serious about trying to improve and figure out where to improve and how to affect your game positively. Um, but so we're on the phone and, and we're just kind of banging away and, 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 and he, I know I'm venting to him and, and kind of complaining. And then at some point during the conversation, you know, the thought was, well, you know what, what if we, what if we made this easier? Like, what if we wrote an app for this? Like, what if we created something mm-hmm. that not only for us, but for others who are in the same exact situation that we are um, and want to improve uh, and maybe are struggling uh, with where to, where to actually affect their game in the, in, in, in the biggest way. And so, you know, like I said, walking around, probably, I think that phone call was probably two hours long uh, <laughs> and just spitballing <laughs> ideas left and right and going like, hey, we're geniuses. This is awesome. You know, so, um, but really the goal was to really <laughs> – Give the give the amateur the ability to to understand their game at a different level that's really not available to the amateur. And if you go back to what we were doing then, uh, really, I, I think the question that you asked originally was, "What is it that you were tracking?" Well, the track strokes gained. Right. Really, what you need is is how far away you are from the hole mm-hmm. on every shot that you hit. Right. So if you start at 500 yards for your shot one, great. And then your next shot, you're 250 yards from the hole, great. You're really just tracking how far away you are from the hole and what your lie was. But if you can go back to when we started, which, gosh, had to be 2015 or so, that was an Excel spreadsheet where I was writing down the yardage. Every time I hit a shot, I was writing down the yardage I was from the hole, and I was writing down the lie that I had, and I was also writing down the club that I used to hit the shot. But you can imagine if you play around a golf uh, and you shoot, you know, let's say you shoot in the 90s, you have 90 entries in an Excel spreadsheet for every shot you hit with that level of detail. You had to love right. All the statistics to go through that much pain, <laughs> right? To write down all of that data, um, and then we were taking that 90 shots in this detailed spreadsheet. And I, I wrote this Perl spreadsheet. Look, I'm an admitted data nerd. I'm actually a an engineer as my as my day job. But so I wrote this spreadsheet that would process that that uh, that data and turn it into something useful. It would tell you how many fairways you hit, how close you hit your irons, which sides of the fairway you missed on, and it would tell you all this detailed data. And so what Ryan and I realized was that outcome was very powerful, but the way to get there was uh, very limiting. Ryan was already frustrated it, frustrated with it. Uh, we weren't going to be able to get too many people to go get the fruit at the end if they're not going to put in the work at the front. And that's where we decided to, to do the app. Yeah, and uh, Longcoms um, at that time uh, was referred to as Pocket Par. That was the sort of the initial. Uh, launch, if you will, of, of your of your uh, app, um, it became a reality. You guys put it in motion. You you did what you needed to do, um, and and obviously, you 
as you just pointed out, Dallas, is you saw an opportunity to really f- give people the ability to, to you know, crunch the numbers, for, for lack of better words, to get the information, the data they need uh, without having to spend you know, um, most of their time in the cart writing it down in a spreadsheet as you did in the beginning. So you were able to, to par it down, if you will, into to something that was more workable and usable. Um, and then once you, you tweaked and, and did what you had to do, um, there came a point in time where obviously uh, things progressed even further. So you guys l- later decided to take this to V1. When you first brought it to them, what was some of the – and Dallas, I'm going to ask you, and then and Ryan, you can jump in as well. Um, what was sort of the original uh, feedback from them when you came to them with this idea? Were they pretty receptive, or uh, what was the what conversation you had with them? Yeah, I think uh, – I, I guess maybe to touch on, on that first piece as well, one of the realizations we had when we transitioned to the cell phone as well is that, one, the phone could make it so much easier and that it already had GPS locations. If we were just grabbing locations, that's what the phone is good at. So before we get to V1, mm-hmm. real quick, if you look yep. at how the PGA Tour does what we're talking about with shot length, right, they're using lasers and, and yep. measuring where all the pros are on the golf course. And when Ryan and I had that conversation that ends up leading to that conversation with V1, what we realized was the phone's got GPS on it. It knows where you are. And if you just track locations while you're playing, which is much easier than writing down details of every shot you hit, you could effectively get to that end road. So we created that app. We got it out there. And over about a three-year period, we continued to improve it. And actually, we didn't go to V1. V1 noticed it uh, on the App Store, right? So um, okay. how that transition kind of happened is, is those of us that know V1, V1 is great at helping people with golf swings. They're, they build great tools for teaching professionals and for you know, your average right. golfer to really digest golf swings. But I think what they realized as kind of a gap in their portfolio is they were really covering the practice piece well and the lesson piece well mm-hmm. when you're not on the golf course. This is how you can get a good golf swing. But they didn't necessarily have coverage for how do you translate that golf swing into an on-course performance. So they needed something that would right. bridge the gap from the practice tee to on-course. And so they went looking. Uh, they noticed Pocket Par on the App Store. Um, and I think – Going back to then, if you look at what we really excelled at and continue to excel at, it was the analytics and the data on the back end, making that useful. We were maybe a little rougher around the edges on the input method, and I feel like in the last year and a half, we've come leaps and bounds. But that's where we got V1's attention and really started that conversation on how we could we could really complement each other. Um, because you can, you can hit a million balls on the range, like Ryan said, working on that golf swing, but it's got to translate to the on-course performance. So this allows us to connect those dots. Yeah, and, and Ryan, that's that's important because you know as a, as a teacher professional myself, you know I see a lot of students banging balls, banging balls out in the range, and then they step on the first tee, and it's like, what happened? Where's the guy that was on the range hitting these beautiful shots, uh, and he's all over the place, and they can't figure out why because they're spending all their time on the range trying to perfect the perfect swing, but when they get to the golf course, they don't know how to play. So when you guys connected with V1. What was the what were some of the functionalities of the app? What were you able to do at that point? And were there any changes that have sort of come along? Any sort of their fine tuning, if you will, um, once uh, V1 uh, became part of it? Yeah. So the the app itself uh, was look at it was in a it was in a state. Uh, we Dallas and I had sort of had this roadmap and vision of what things that we wanted to do, and I think partnering with V1. Uh, sort of open those doors and, 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 
enabled some different discussion and ideas to occur to to maybe even improve on the ideas we had. But originally, the the app itself was in a state where it's very much a manual tracking of the shot. So you know, you get on your phone. Uh, we had the watch functionality with the Apple Watch, but you know, basically, you you mark every shot. And you know, one of the things that we always uh, our vision about the app was that we didn't want it to be intrusive into your golf game. And look, I, I, I was that 90 guy that Dallas was talking about where I didn't want to write it down mm-hmm. 90 times in a round, right? And so <laughs> it became much right. easier as as that high handicap guy at the time going, okay, I can hit a button to mark my shot. That's pretty easy, right? And especially as we integrated the watch, uh, that got even easier because my phone stayed in my pocket and I could start to focus more on my game. But you know, to your question and, and where it, where was it and, and, and where is it gone, uh, you know, we had this roadmap that we wanted to continue to uh, make the emphasis that the, the phone is not in the round, in, in the game that you're playing, right? You, we don't want your head buried mm-hmm. into, the, into the phone and always looking for yardages and things like that. You could do it. It's there um, if you need it. But we wanted to minimize that as much as possible. And so some of the things we moved to, uh, one of the first iterations, obviously, we, we implemented the watch. That was one step. Uh, the next step mm-hmm. was to start getting smarter about uh, predicting shots, what we call auto shot detection. Um, uh, and this is where Dallas will excel in talking about it over, over me, right? He, he's the nerd of the group. Um, but, and so, <laughs> and, and, then, and then lastly, where we go is, is really implementing, uh, using that peripheral in the Apple Watch to start uh, tying together what's actually happening with your hands, right? So that, that, that watches that connection to the, to the grip and, and the club. And so we can start to watch the watch and see what is it doing and get even smarter about predicting your shots. So that effectively the idea uh, is that you, you, if you have an Apple watch, right, that's kind of the, the sweet setup, put your phone in your pocket, you turn it on, you start the round on your watch and you just go play. Right, uh, and there's a lot more that goes mm-hmm. on behind the scenes, but effectively, that you literally, if you just want to go play golf and enjoy your round, but you still want the ability to start capturing your your round and your data, I think we have a solution here that is that is pretty seamless and and and, and allows you to do that with, without much interaction. And that's where I'd say Vivo yeah, and really it, accelerated us. Right, they they saw it, and mm-hmm. what they what we got from V1 was a very crystallized vision that our back-end solution, the statistics and the analysis we did were great, but it was still too hard. So they gave us that right push to go really start the innovation trail of that auto shot detection and swing detection and get the app where it is now, where it's pretty much hands-free while you play. Yeah, and and that's important because, you know, excuse me, when you look at today's golfer, uh, and we'll, we'll forget 2020 with, you know, COVID and all the other stuff, but just your typical year um you know people are pressed for time um we're busy you know we've got active lives uh it's not like it was 20 30 years ago where you know you went out every wednesday necessarily and you played golf uh or on the weekends you played you know you sometimes you got to fit it in whenever you can fit it in um and the last thing you want to do is having to sit there and have something that's cumbersome and difficult to operate and use um you know, because it, it, it is, as you guys both pointed out, it's important to, to gather that information if you want to improve. And it sounds like you guys have put together um, a, a great app that allows you to get that information and boils it down in such a way that it's easy to 
to extrapolate, but at the same time, it's not difficult and cumbersome to have to sit and 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 as you did earlier on, uh, you know, manually. So, talk about some of the features a little bit more, Dallas, specifically. Um, if if I was, you know, if I downloaded the app and I'm out in the golf course, um, what is it doing exactly? How does it integrate? Um, and is it, you know, I, I know you've touched on it already a little bit, guys, but uh, is it easy to use? And and walk me through the process of, of uh, you know, your round. What what kind of experience am I going to have? And what am I going to be looking at, if anything? And what am I going to see? Sure. So the the first base that we have to cover is, of course, it's a it's a golf GPS. So if you're on a golf mm-hmm. course that you don't know, or you're trying to find the yards to that bunker that you want to avoid, it is a golf GPS. So you can once you start your round. Uh, you pull it out, you select your golf course, it's going to load nice aerial images and, and show you GPS distances to anywhere you need on the golf course, right? So it'll help you do that mm-hmm. course management piece, figure out what's ahead of you. Um, with our new virtual caddy feature, right, we actually take weather and elevation into account to help you even make better decisions with that club selection, right? We can give you uh, more plays-like distances, taking those factors into account. But it starts with that golf GPS functionality, uh, to help you navigate the course. And that golf GPS functionality is in- included. There's there's absolutely no charge to just download it and start using it to help you play better immediately. But what we unlock where the real power is, is as soon as you start that round and that GPS gets going, we're actually using the backgrounded sensors of the phone to um, track you as you play golf. So we're using GPS, we're using accelerometers, we're using a watch if you have one, and we're kind of tracking what's going on as you play. What that allows us to do is to actually predict where you've hit shots on the golf course. So effectively, you put your phone in your, in your pocket, ideally, or in your golf bag. If you have a watch, you've got your watch, and we'll give you GPS charges on your watch. But you just play golf. And what's happening is we're tracking how long you're at certain locations. We're tracking if you made a swing motion. We're tracking if you're standing up or sitting down. These various things that we can use. Mm-hmm. And with a very smart algorithm, predict where you hit your golf shots. So – when you get to the end of the hole, you just tell the app, hey, I, I, I made a four and I one-putted from 10 feet. And we can actually go back and fill all of the locations where you hit the actual golf shots. So now all you told us was you, you made a four with a one-putt from 10 feet. So I can tell you that you hit your driver 280 yards into the left rough and then hit a great approach shot into the bunker and did this. You didn't tell me any of that. But I know where you went on the golf course. I know where you took golf swings. Um, and we've, we can give you all of that information. And, and like you said, you just you just played golf. You know, it's incredible when you think about it, you know, with technology now, um, the, the level of information, because now I'm assuming, obviously, uh, again, you can go back and look at all of this information at the end of a round and, and, and get a lot of this vital information. And it, and it really, for especially somebody that maybe is a club member that plays the same course, um, you know, are you obviously able to to compare rounds to other rounds and and see that your tendency maybe on certain holes is to hit it in a certain area uh, off the tee and so on and so forth? Um, do you get some of that information or feedback as well, uh, Dallas? Yeah, absolutely. So we just recently released what we call Virtual Caddy, which is a lot like a lot of what you just mentioned. In fact, if I'm standing on the tee box of a hole I play regularly and I hit the insight mm-hmm. button to ask for a suggestion, it's going to tell you what club you should hit based on real data, based on your strokes gain with that club, uh, your past performance on the hole that you've played. Uh, it'll give you a club recommendation. Additionally, just like shot link style, if you've ever seen it on the PGA Tour telecast, it'll also right. drop yeah. the little 
falls on that hole and show you where you've hit in the past and what you scored from those locations so that you can at a glance say, hey, if I hit it to the right, I tend to make bogey. But if I hit it down the left, I score better. And you can use that in your course management and your club making decisions. And, and similarly for your approach shots, we'll do the same thing. Our virtual caddy uh, doesn't just suggest the club, right? It's not just saying hit nine iron. It's actually saying you should take more club here because in this situation you tend to miss left and short and give you that additional piece of information to where if there's a hazard left and short or something like that, you can actually adjust what you're doing on course to make better decisions uh, based on your golf performance. Yeah, and obviously it's very performance-driven, which which I really like because, uh, again, you know, for a lot of golfers, especially if they're, you know, a club member, as I said, or, or they're playing a, a particular course on some sort of regularity, um, you know, we, we certainly – you know, we unfortunately remember our bad rounds and we remember specific shots, but we don't remember necessarily every hole uh, in a lot of clarity. So it's kind of nice to have that, you know, digital feedback, if you will, so that when we get up on some of these holes again, it gives a, a, an overview of pitch, especially if you played it with any sort of regularity, what your tendencies have been. Um, it offers you suggestions on, on how to play the hole obviously better. And, and uh, you know, if you're finding yourself in a lot of trouble, it's obviously going to help steer you in a different direction. Um, and that's valuable. It's kind of like having your own, like you said, uh, your own uh, caddy right there with you. Um, Ryan, so talk to me a little bit about, you know, you, you guys, as I mentioned in the beginning, I, I had you talk about some of the struggles, uh, some of the difficulties you both had. Since you've now gotten to where you have with this app, and obviously you both have, have uh, you know, used it and, and tested it out and done things, um, how long through that process did you start seeing results in your own game? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, we're all, we all like to, uh, you know, we're going to invest time and effort into anything. We want to, we want to see the results come out of it. And, and, you know, I think one of the things as, as you progress in life and, uh, you know, I think for both Dallas and I, you know, uh, you know, you have a lot of time uh, on your hands early on. And then as, as your, as your life goes on and, and work commitments get, get bigger and, and uh, family grows and time gets less and whatnot. And so you want to get efficient with practice. But uh, I would say, you know, at first uh, it, it was, it was getting used to, okay, okay, I need to work on this, but there was even an element there is, is okay. Now how do I work on this? Right. But at least I knew where to start working. And some of that was like, well, what are the right drills to help me in these spots and whatnot? But I would say, you know, it was, it was pretty evident fairly quickly. I mean, first is you got to get some data right? You don't just do mm-hmm. one round and play one round and all of a sudden you got all the data you need. Like, you don't, you don't start right. to plot trends like that. So you, you do need some data behind, behind you to start seeing this. So depending on the frequency that you play, that that's going to impact that uh, as well. But I was playing literally like every weekend, sometimes twice a weekend, because I had no other, uh, I didn't have kids at the time, things like that. So mm-hmm. um, that, that came a little bit later. And, and, and so those, that's those struggles, right? But uh, I would say probably within about a month or two, there were certain metrics, uh, you know, for me, greens and, you know, hitting greens, I'm, I'm awful at it, just period. Um, but I started to <laughs> see improvements. And really what I could notice is, is, you know, what is my most common approach shot and from what distance and what is my tendency and where do I miss? And, and so I could really start to focus on that. And, and that really, for me, just even just hitting more greens and understanding which, which distance I'm most common at. So I'm practicing, you know, like I bang away at a seven iron, uh, but I found really, I was 
really like in the 120, 130 range, you know? So for me, it was like, well, I actually need to practice more of a pitching wedge, maybe nine iron, depending on the day. Right. So I kind of shifted my mm-hmm. practice and my focus. Um, and, and so, yeah, for me, I, I played quite a bit early on. And so I, I collected data pretty quick. And, and so I would say probably within the, the first month or two, um, especially using the app and having a better presentation of the data and whatnot, that I started to see results starting to move in a certain direction. But, I mean, it's a grind, right? So just like anything. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, again, as I, as I mentioned before, you know, for, for the players out there that, you know, want to improve, you know, a lot of times we focus, um, you know, in areas that, you know, one of the, one of the biggest pet peeves I have in, in my profession as, as a teacher professional for many, many years, we, we kind of put everybody in the same box and, you know, well, okay, you're not hitting the ball well. Okay, well, let's do this and let's do that. And, you know, maybe some people just are not going to, you know, they're not going to hit it like Tiger Woods or they're not going to hit it like, uh, you know, uh, some of the other players out there. Um, but with the information that they're able to get through the app, it's going to really help with their course management. And that's really what it's all about. I mean, you can have the, you know, there's, I mean, countless players on tour that I could name that have, uh, you know, beautiful golf swings and can hit the ball, uh, you know, pretty much dead center every time, uh, but they're not winning on the tour. And a lot of it is because their course management isn't maybe as effective. So this is an area that I think uh, would be beneficial for, uh, again, as you mentioned, Ryan, gathering the data, you know, after a little bit and and then relying on that data to help, you know, navigate you a little bit better. Um, Dallas, let me come back to you for a second. And I want to ask you, is this a tool, is this app a tool that, um, that a teaching pro can use? Uh, in, in, in conjunction with their students? Is this something that they can uh, interact with together using this, this app? Yeah, so um, I'm glad you asked that because absolutely. So uh, in addition to the V1 game platform, we have what's called V1 Coach. It's actually uh, a separate app that's primarily targeted to your teaching professionals. But what it does is it connects the teaching professionals with the, the data from their students, with the V1 game data. So the students can be out there playing on the golf course, again, getting insights, collecting data, that data is basically connected directly to their teaching professionals. So that the next time they're on that practice tee, getting ready for a lesson, their teaching professional can be looking at what they're actually doing on the golf course. So that student may be coming to me saying, we got to bash drivers. That's what he wants to do when really his putting is what's holding him back. And so maybe it's an opportunity to redirect him or get him, get him working in the right area. That's going to translate most to his game. In the end, if, if he's improving and scoring better, that's what you both want out of that deal. So, that connection is absolutely there. Um, our coach platform has been there since about February or so. So it's, it's still growing, but there is a direct connection for our coaches um, to our players. So for our players that are looking for coaches, we can certainly help connect them in that way and still continue to leverage the rest of what V1 has to offer from, from the swing analysis piece as well. But absolutely, the game is architected to, to, to make that connection. And I think to your, to your previous point of, you know, what players are going to get out of it or how long it takes to translate. We have a post round summary that I think gives most of our new users feedback on day one that they probably didn't know about their golf game. They're going to play their very first round and get a summary with very easy to digest analysis of their game. That's probably going to open their eyes a bit on, on things they haven't seen or things that they didn't know. And to your course management piece, the other piece is, is minimizing mistakes. We do, uh, keep track of our three keys with things like three putts and penalties and two chips and the big scorecard records. Uh, We keep track of those things. And then again, feed those to coaches as well. So that, you know, if you have a student who's struggling to score, we can say, Hey, it's because of three putts or it's because of two chips missing the green or, 
or it's because they, they have too many penalties or, or recoveries. All of that feedback, Coach, so that together um, we can work on playing better golf. So let me ask you then, you know, obviously they're, they're able to get that, the coach I'm referring to is able to get that data. So when I say, when I say it this way in connecting in real time, I don't necessarily mean, well, he's out there, uh, he or she is out there playing their round. Um, is that data then transferred, you know, at the end of the round, it's sort of uplinked to the coach or is he able to uh, see it in real time or how's the connection? And then also um, once that communication has happened and the coach is able to see um, what he or she has done in their round, are they able to communicate back um, through, you know, the, the communication through the two apps, um, tips or things like that that they can prepare for when they do come to the next uh, session together? Yeah, absolutely. So actually the way that you asked the question, we did just push an update to the, to the app store today even. It's going to allow for that update to happen even in more real time to where scores are going to be posted as the player is actually playing. But the way the app works now is, is when the user is done and they sign that scorecard or they, they save that round, it, it automatically goes to the cloud and is available to the coach immediately. So if you played this morning and you got a lesson in the afternoon, that round will all, already be sitting in the coach's hand so that they can review it and, and see how you did or talk you through it and make sure that you're working on, on the right things. And then it does open other opportunities for the coach to where you can almost have more of a virtual learning environment, which of course is critical in today's world with COVID and everything to where they could be looking at your data. And if they know your golf swing or they know you well enough, they can be giving you feedback on things that you might work on or, or even less uh, physical things and some mental things to focus on. Right. Hey, I noticed um, you're having a lot of penalties off the tee and the coach app is telling you that that happens when you're missing left or when there's penalties to the left penalty areas to the left, that's where you struggle. And they can start to use that data to, to help with the mental side as well. And the course management side as well, without ever having to even see you on a tee, right? That data kind of connects you with that expert that can help you make good decisions and work on the right things. Hey, I noticed that your putting is trending in the right, in the wrong direction, right? So maybe you should focus on Mm -hmm. some lag drills. Here's some good drills that I like that'll help you, right? It really helps you have that connection and, and especially operate even in a virtual environment. Yeah, and, and and you're right. In today's environment, uh, even um, you know after COVID's uh, long gone, uh, that's where things are trending right now. People want to be able to have that communication with their coach. Again, uh, you know this has certainly opened a lot of doors. You know through this pandemic and golf, uh, forcing you know coaches and and players to do a more vo- virtual uh, lesson program in many cases, but. Um, uh, it, it's definitely trending that way. And, and again, as I mentioned earlier with timing and that. Um, so Ryan, what has been some of the feedback that you guys have gotten uh, from some of the users of the app? Obviously uh, you've talked about some of the, the data points and things like that, that they're getting in the app and, and information they're getting. Um, but what has been some of the feedback? Have there, have there been suggestions of, Hey, we would really like to see more of this or, or are you, you know, thinking of doing that down the road? This would really help, uh, you know, to even make the experience that much uh, better. Have you been getting some of that feedback? And if so, can you give us uh, maybe some examples? Yeah, no, that's great. I think, I think one of the things that, you know, so the feedback definitely, and I'll chime in where you think it's appropriate because I think we both have our own perspectives on this and, and whatnot, but I mean, the community has been great. Uh, I think we, we try and connect with them real time as much as we can. Uh, and, you know, if they're having issues or their education gaps or anything like that, we're, we're, we're trying to address those uh, as quick as we can to, 
you know, get them up to speed and, and playing. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, and, and the community's been great about suggestions. Uh, you know, some of some of them are minor tweaks, and some of them are a little more involved. Uh, uh, you know, for example, I think what what Dallas was talking about releasing out to the store uh, recently, uh, doing more of a live updating. There's there's a bit of a, a call trick up the bag that we're you know up our sleeve right now that we're we're trying to work on and 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 have more of a community based uh, live scorecard as we go forward and things like that. So there there's some there's some things that we're working on. Uh, Dallas, is there anything in, in, off the top of your mind that you're thinking about? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, there's pros and cons to us being a relatively small team. Uh, we're a small team, which means sometimes we can we can move fast. We're a little bit more nimble. And we get a lot of that feedback right. from our users where they might be asking for certain things or saying, hey, can you do this? And it's, it's a lot easier for us to kind of pivot quickly. And if it's a good idea, go implement it. I can think of uh, a specific example where recently – um, we added weather to the app, right? So where as you're playing, it's going to tell you wind right. direction and give you um, an analysis of where to hit. Well, one of our users saw that and said, I like that you're giving me weather while I'm playing. But when I go back and review that round, sometimes I want to know what the weather was, right? I want to know what that wind condition was mm-hmm. when I played because I might look at that data and interpret it differently depending on, you know, how I missed in the wind condition. And look, that's a right. great idea. So, you know, within within a week, I just snapshotted that weather when you were playing and stored it off as well so that when that user pulls up that round, it also shows you the weather that you experienced while you were playing. But so that back and forth, I think we've had a a great response from our users. I mean, in the last uh, handful of months, we've been growing like crazy. So so our users' base is growing like crazy, and with that comes a lot of great ideas. Uh, And so we definitely encourage that. We've got a chat system in the app. We're constantly talking to our customers um, but we've got we've got a lot of great feedback on the new features that we've added, and and we're continuing to to listen to our users and try to move quickly. You know that's a great point. Uh, you know that you that you brought up about the weather. Uh, I can see. You know a lot of people might that listening to the show might think, well, you know what, what what's the big deal? But that is important because again, if you're assessing your round, if you're going and you're looking at the data that's that's being collected, and you know you're looking at some of it and and you're not you know you're not going to remember you know three weeks ago four weeks ago that it was a windy gusty day or you know you're playing in raining conditions or something like that or the greens were you know uh, you know it was a hot day and the greens were dried out so you know having that weather and having a better understanding of what the conditions you were faced with not just the difficulties on the course but the difficulties environmentally that you were dealing with uh, could be very, very useful um, in, 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 you know, understanding the data in that. Um, so in addition to that, and I mean, obviously there's some things maybe, you know, you can or cannot share at this time, but um, what are some of the other features that you're um, thinking about right now, maybe through, again, some of the feedback that you guys have gotten um, that you're thinking of, of adding to it, or the things that you guys have just come up through your own experiences uh, working on this that you thought, you know what, this is something that we're going to consider, um, you know, that we think would be beneficial to the to the average user out there, and uh, we're going to try to make it part of the app. Is there some new features that you guys are, are looking at doing in the future? And that's for either uh, one, sorry. So we always... Yeah, that's fair. Um, so we always have a backlog uh, of, of things that we'd like to add. Currently some of the things that we're working on kind of short term are one to continue to prove our improve our artificial intelligence because we we do have artificial intelligence that uh one is trying to predict where your shot locations are so we're constantly trying to improve that and make that uh as seamless as possible i mentioned that even just recently we added the the weather and elevation piece to give people 
uh, more useful yardages. Um, there's certainly a path where, where we'd like to be a little more social, I'd say. So, so I'll kind of allude to, you know, how do we get friends involved and get, you know, more than just somebody staring at their own data on a given day, right? If you go play with buddies and whatnot, you're going to want to have that little bit of competition and see maybe who hit the longest drive or who hit certain <laughs> things. So, so there's certainly opportunities to grow in that direction that we'll, uh, we'll continue to pursue um, so the more people get exposure and more people really start to see the value of what we can add. And I think that social piece will help us quite a bit. Um, then we have a little bit of work to do to catch Android up a little bit. I mean, again, that's the small team piece where I said you had the pros and cons. We can be nimble, but then also managing two platforms can be difficult. Our Android is just slightly behind the, uh, the Apple, but we're catching up very rapidly. So we'll have some releases very soon that catch it up to our Apple experience for our Android users. Um, so is obviously right now then I'm assuming uh through the Apple uh for, for the iOS users uh is where they can get the app there and through Google Play I'm assuming for uh the Android users, correct? Yes, we're available on, on both stores, like say on the on the Apple side, we also support the Apple Watch. Um our, our Apple Watch users are some of our most vocal and most ecstatic. I think we have a great Apple Watch experience. Um like I said I played I played just the other day. Um, I just got one of the new Apple Watches, so that's been nice as well. But uh, if you have an Apple Watch, it's it's a super seamless experience. You get out there and you just play, and the watch does a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of actually tracking when you when you hit a swing. We added that over the summer, and it's kind of a, a neat feature because you walk out there probably the first time you've ever used the app, um, and if you have the Apple Watch, you're going to walk to the first tee, and you're going to take a swing and get a little vibration afterwards that indicates that it detected it, and you'll probably be – caught off guard at first, but then it's usually a pretty neat reaction. Like, Oh wow. That actually knows when I'm taking a golf swing and does a very good job of, of detecting, detecting that. But yeah, you can, so obviously you can go to um, the Apple app store or Google play to, to find the app search for V one game. You can also go to the V one sports website, uh, V one sports.com and, and kind of cruise around there to, to find links to it as well. Um, and then the V one coach app is also available. It's, it's for our teaching professionals, right? Um, sure. But the V1 right. Coach app is also out there. And, and look, it's architected in a way to, to, to make it easy to bridge that gap to your, to your players. You can download the app. You can start kind of your own little team. And then you invite players to join your team. And as soon as you invite them to join that team, uh, they'll get a message to download the app. They'll get a message uh, to join your team. It's, it's pretty seamless and you'll immediately be connected to their data and their, their in-round performance, and that's also available in the Apple App Store. Let me just ask you one uh, question more about, uh, since you've mentioned a few times now about the Apple Watch. Uh, you, you talked about earlier that, uh, you know, if you get the Apple Watch as an example, you know, you can throw your um, uh, your phone in your pocket or, or put it in your, your golf bag. Um, the app is, I'm assuming, obviously is downloaded to your uh, your phone, uh, and obviously integrated, I'm assuming probably through Bluetooth or what have you, uh, with the with the watch. Um, is there a distance that you have to be um, between the watch and the phone? Like if you get beyond a certain distance, that they will no longer communicate. Uh, is there an issue there? I'm just curious. Yes, yeah, so that's a, that's a good question. Um, really, the two are independent in a way. All of the data crunching and stuff does happen on your phone. A lot of the AI information okay. does happen on your phone, but your watch is a completely independent piece from a, from a GPS perspective. 
So what does that mean? That means if I leave my phone in the golf cart and I walk away 30 yards to where it can no longer talk to my phone, that's really not an issue. When I take that golf swing, my watch is going to record its GPS location. And when I get back in range with the phone, it will tell the phone where it was when you hit that shot. As soon as the connection is restored, it'll pass over that information on where it went and what it did. So you don't have to keep your phone on you. Uh, where we recommend to keep your phone on you is if you get kind of that real-time connection. You don't ever have a, a disconnect in your data to where if you wanted to pull your phone out and see what shots were detected, you don't want to have this laggy experience where it's trying to catch up from five holes because you weren't connected. But you don't have to keep your phone on you. They're actually independent. They're definitely independent from a, from a GPS, uh, GPS perspective. Well, that's great. Um, and you, you answered uh, exactly what I was, was trying to, to get at. Um, you know, because again, some, you know, some people maybe don't want to have their phone in their pocket, you know, during their swing so they can leave it on the golf cart and, and because they're able to, you know, maybe they got to go 10, 20, 30 yards away and lose that connection. I want to know is basically you answered it perfectly is once they come back, does that connection reestablish and then the data is then transferred to the phone. So, um, that's fantastic. Yeah. And, and we want to. Um, we want to be in tune Go with ahead. that because, you know, people have Bluetooth speakers that they might have on their golf cart and whatnot. You don't want your phone. You don't want to walk away and the music stop. So if you have to leave your phone behind, we understand all that. I think additionally, the point that I'd make there as well is uh, we have plenty of options too. If you don't want to, if you don't have a watch and you don't want to keep your phone on yep. you, or even if you don't want to take your phone with the course or think about the shot tracking at all, we have so many options to put the data in to where you could sit on your couch and do it after the round. Um, you can leave your phone in your pocket without a watch, and we'll still do our artificial intelligence. We'll still predict shots. We might miss some of the ones closer to the green. So in that scenario, it might require a little more post-round editing. But we have options for every type of user. The user that wants the watch and wants the phone in the pocket from the user that doesn't even want to touch it on the golf course and wants to do it sitting on their couch um, on later. Yeah, I think I'd, I think I'd want the watch personally. <laughs> Not that I'm lazy, but I think I would rather have the watch experience. That sounds like a little bit more uh, uh, along my uh, my lines, but uh, I think it's fantastic. It fantastic. I think it's great. You know, yeah, it's all it's always amazing. You know, when I when I hear you know on the program here, and I have you know guys like yourself coming on talking about some of the different things happening in in the golf industry, some of the technology that's come out uh, you know in the last little while, especially you know in the last uh, couple of years. Um, and, uh, you guys definitely have, have, um, you know, and, and it starts with what's, what's really interesting is, you know, you guys are, are, you know, avid golfers that have really taken an issue that you both experienced and said, Hey, you know what, uh, we're kind of having a rough go here and we're having some difficulties. Um, I'm sure a lot of other golfers are, we're going to do something about it. And you have, and, you know, uh, a little bit later, you've got this, uh, this great, uh, product that's out there that people can benefit from. Um, you know, taking from your own experiences and, and we, we're all in that boat. I mean, I don't care what level you're playing at. Uh, we all have moments in, in our, in our life, uh, you know, in our golf game where, um, you know, we're struggling and things like that. So being able to get that information in, uh, in essentially real time uh, is definitely beneficial. Well, guys, I want to thank you um, very, very much for, for joining me on golf talk live tonight. It's, uh, it's been very, very interesting. I didn't, I knew a little bit about uh, the V1 game, uh, app I didn't know as obviously as much as you shared tonight, but I did have a little bit of an understanding of it. Uh, but you guys definitely have uh, have opened uh, a lot of eyes up, I'm sure, uh, with this launch and um, and with things coming out in the future. And I want to thank you guys for coming on the show tonight and sharing it with my audience. 
Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Look, I encourage people to go download the app in both the Apple Store and the, and the Google Play Store. It's free to go try. Give it a spin. You're going to get some data. You probably learn something about your golf game, maybe that you didn't want to know. Um, and hopefully, it's hopefully it's sticky and, and helps you improve. I think the when you talk about technology, the feedback loop is the biggest piece of it, and we're going to be that feedback loop for the on-course piece. So, thanks for having us. Um, encourage everybody to go try it, uh, and, and appreciate the opportunity. Not a problem. Well, Allison and Ryan, uh, uh, you know, keep me updated if, if as new things progress and, and you've got some exciting news to, to share with, uh, with, with the uh, golfers out there, um, I'd love to have you come back on at a, at a future date when you've got some more to, uh, to talk about and, uh, and maybe some new developments happening. Uh, and, and keep up the great work. I think you guys have done a fantastic job, and um, it, it's definitely going to benefit a lot of golfers out there. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks again. All right. Have a good one, guys, and take care. Thank you. All right. That was Dallas Webster and Ryan Ebert, uh V1 Game App Developers. Uh, did a, a great job. I, I, I really think uh, you know it's a great product, and you can go down and get the V1 Game App uh, either at the uh, app, app Store, the Apple App Store, uh, or Google Play, and uh, try it out. I think it's worthwhile. Uh, definitely some good information. Some of you probably already done it. And, um, um, you know, I just think it's, uh, it, it sounds like a great app and just, uh, you know, a couple of guys that just, uh, started out, uh, playing golf and doing something they enjoyed and, and created a great app that's, uh, that's going to benefit a lot of, uh, golfers, I think, uh, down the road, check it out. Um, go to the, again, the Apple app store and, uh, Google play and download the V1 game app. All right. I want to also thank uh, John Decker and Bill Abrams uh, for joining me earlier on the, uh, coaches corner panel. Thanks again for doing a great job. And, uh, don't forget if you're, uh, wanting help with your, uh, game, you can also, uh, visit golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. Uh, there is a printed version. It's a bi-monthly, uh, magazine. It's available, uh, the next issue that it's, uh, we're working on right now is the January-February issue of 2021, but the uh, uh, special issue, a special holiday issue that's going to be coming out on newsstands uh, next week, November the 10th, uh, is going to be available. It's got a, the 2020 holiday gift guide, or uh, gift guide, if you will. It's in there with a lot of great uh, stuff. In fact, uh, the V1 Game app is uh, one of the apps that uh, is featured in there, so uh, definitely check it out. And uh, it's going to be going on newsstands at, at pretty much everywhere. Barnes and Noble, uh, Barnes and Noble, excuse me, and uh, Books a Million are, are some of the, the the larger chains that are carrying it. But uh, virtually most of the the major uh, book chains uh, uh, that carry magazines uh, will have uh, Golf Tips magazine. But if you want a subscription, uh, which is even a better deal, you can go to golftipsmag.com, and you can either get a print version. Uh, it's also print and digital version, or just the digital version. So there's. Uh, Options there for everybody, so check it out. And uh, I want to thank you all for joining me tonight and, and tuning into the show. I hope you enjoyed the broadcast. And I will see you next week with another great guest and another panel on Coach's Corner. God bless everybody, and have a great weekend. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to this evening's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Remember to tune in each week at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Live. If you can't join us live, check out the on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts or listen on any of the following social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course, Spotify. To get updates on future shows and upcoming guests, 
sure to visit the show's Facebook page, Golf Talk Live Blog. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. Remember to join me live each week for another great broadcast of Golf Talk Live. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.